You are listening to Redefining Rural, a podcast dedicated to celebrating, elevating, and changing the way we think about rural education in the state of Colorado and beyond. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Welcome to the Redefining Rural podcast. I'm Michelle Murphy here with my partners in crime, Kirk Banghart and Daniel LaPlatte. Super excited today. We're sort of shifting away from our power of in-person learning theme and kind of digging in um, more deeply to some really cool sort of student-driven learning projects that we've all had the opportunity to uh, admire and learn a bit more about. So the first person that we're going to talk to today is a gentleman by the name of Greg Kennedy. Kirk has met him. Daniil has not. Greg has, as you will see, just a ton of energy, great passion for um, rural schools and rural students, and has done just an incredible amount of work bringing folks together to um, really make learning exciting and interesting for kids. Yeah, we're, I think we're very excited for everybody to hear about the projects and the work that he's been doing, um, because I think in, during during this time, it's been really neat to hear a breath of fresh air about a different way to approach how we go about engaging kids in that process. So we're excited for you all to hear about what Greg put together. And then hopefully in the next couple episodes, we're really going to highlight some great work that's going on across the state uh, for our students in their classrooms. Good morning, everyone. I'm Michelle Murphy, and I am super excited to be here today with Greg Kennedy. Greg is, I'm going to let Greg introduce himself. He has, uh, I've known Greg for years now. His energy is infectious. You will see that in seconds as I turn the mic over to him. He is doing some amazing things, amazing off the charts things for rural kids and rural schools and rural communities. So, Greg, First, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Do just for a few minutes, just talk about yourself, your background, your passions, and what led you to the work you're doing now with rural kids and communities. Well, um, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, I guess I'm one big accident <laughs> because all the things that I'm doing now were, were not by design. I think they were more by discovery. And then once I discovered one thing, it'd be like, oh my goodness, what if? And so, uh, you know, I, I, I have a few music degrees <laughs> and, and have been, I have a doctoral degree in choral music. And so, um, oh. but I was teaching in North Carolina and uh, my family was in Colorado and uh, I was really desperate to just be with my family. So I applied for this job called STEM. And what was that? I don't know what that was. And, and I wanted to be with my family. So I said, sure, I can do that, whatever that is. <laughs> and then lo and behold, I, I discovered uh, an approach to learning that really changed me as a musician. And, and then I saw that it could be applied to other things. Um, you know, uh, Talk about that a little bit. Talk about that approach. Well, that approach is um, you know, I have an advanced degree in waving my arm in front of people and telling them what to do. <laughs> and I'm really good at it. <laughs> and, uh, but the approach that, and it doesn't need to be called STEM because I think it's just a matter of how to communicate with humans uh, to achieve things together and to learn together uh, is not a one-sided event. It's, it's more where for me in music, 
I went from waving an arm and telling people what to do to like, okay, who's making a living in music? What is, what's happening in the world? What is it, what's it like to be a composer? Uh, what, what, what's it like to be a gigging musician? What's it like to be a jazz musician who in real time can do these amazing things? Um, how do they think? Who are they? And is my standing in front of them, telling them what to do, getting them to that point? And so I just started networking uh, with industries. Uh, in the case of music, it was a Ableton Live out of Berlin, where the kids uh, produced music and, and learned how to, to run that software and, and, uh, and that pro whole process of uh, creativity in, in the arts and live performance. And, and my high school kids uh, did a project called Band Together, where they learned to produce music, not just to um, create a hit single, <laughs> but to learn how to produce music so that their thoughts could come out about what was important to them. So they really wanted to produce even other students' thoughts. So like uh, art, an artistic rendition of, of student passions. And, and that went so well. And it, it helped me as a teacher understand that uh, although what I was doing was cool before, uh, there's so much more out there. And, and then it's like the aha moment for me for that was like, that should happen in every class, <laughs> in every grade. Why do we need to be standing in front of students telling them what to do? And that you certainly have to do a little bit of that in schools. But I think uh, the majority of what we could be doing is connecting them to infinite possibilities in every area. And then, um, so it was a discovery process. And then I've had a lot of help from industry along the way. And, and currently, I work at STEM School Highlands Ranch. Um, but I tell everybody, and I really just work for students <laughs> because I see uh, what I spend my time on and what I really want to do at this stage of my life. And the things I've seen is, is I want to find ways to connect students to their own potential and to what they could be as far as a, in their career, but also what could they do in life? Um, and our world has plenty of problems that need to be solved. How do we prepare kids to do that? And, 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 and I think we fall short of that in many instances. We might prepare kids to get an A on an exam or pass a test or get into the college they wanted, something like that. But is that really going to translate into the, the human skills it's going to take to project manage, to work as a team, to listen to others, to be aware of everything that's out there that could be used to solve a problem or to help humanity in some way. And so... It's huge. <laughs> it's overwhelming. It, it keeps me up at night, but I, but I also love it. I believe that. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm not thinking about what, what five choral pieces am I going to pick up, pick out for the next term to, to tell people to sing at a concert. Um, I'm thinking about, oh my goodness, this is overwhelming. <laughs> There's so many students in the world, so many people that can help them, and um, so, so many gaps to be filled in what we're doing and what we could be doing. It, it, it's exciting, though. It's really fun because I get to witness students discovering, oh, my goodness, I didn't even know that was there. <laughs> so tell me, um, as I told you folks, his, his excitement is contagious and infectious, and you see it and you can hear it if you're, um, if you're just listening. Tell me, I, I you know, I, I so resonate. I'm a parent of two teenagers, and I so resonate with this idea of making learning, like bringing out the humanity in learning and making it interesting and real and finding their passion and their connection to it. And I know that you've been doing that at the STEM school and probably elsewhere for for years, right? But what what was your – talk a little bit about your outreach and your engagement with rural communities 
what inspired that. And I think to some extent it was your connection with industry. But talk a little bit about about that piece and, and how you've reached out to rural and you know, yeah. the stops and starts and all of those pieces. <laughs> well, again, sort of an accident. Um, <clears throat> so I was working at the STEM school in, uh, in Highlands Ranch, and uh, we got to know the Nathan Yip Foundation. And the Nathan Yip Foundation does a lot of stuff in China, but they're based out of Colorado. And they were like, "How would we want to help the underserved in Colorado. Who is that? And uh, so they decided, well, probably rural areas. They don't seem to have the same resources and the same connections that a lot of the urban schools have. So let's do something there. So we were challenged to, to find something to do there. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, we can't go move out there, um, you know, and, and we can't move the industries out there. Uh, we could use the internet. We could connect uh, industry leaders and other students. We could get people to collaborate and, and work across different areas. Uh, that way, there's got to be a way to do that that's, that's not online learning. <laughs> it's not an adult talking at a student. It's actually students uh, collaborating together with subject matter experts and other students and other schools, you know, much in the, sa in the same way that industry has been doing it for at least 18 years, uh, those kind of connections. And then personally for me, the, the drive to do this was that I'm from a rural community in Eastern Colorado. And, uh, you know, my, that? Dream, I forget. my, my dream was uh, to be a geologist. But when I got to college, I realized that I had no idea what a geologist was. <laughs> and I didn't have the classes to prepare me. So here I was in math and chemistry and all these classes, um, competing with students who had had schools who had those programs, and my school didn't. And, and uh, you know, for me, uh, I, I gave up. I honestly just said, ah, I'm not good enough to do this. I don't know enough to do it. And it was, it was really tough. Um, you know, but the truth is I could have done it. <laughs> I just didn't have Well, we're reason. glad you didn't. I'll tell you that right now. We're glad that you landed exactly <laughs> where you did and that circumstance brought you where you did and that you're driven by that experience to change the game for kids in rural schools. Yeah. And that game is changing quite a bit. And we talk about that a lot here. That's one of the, the hopes and dreams for the podcast is to expand awareness about the great things happening in rural, to get other industry excited about connecting in rural. So talk to us about that a little bit. How have you engaged your industry partners and, and what has been the, the upside for them in reaching out and connecting urban and rural kids? Oh, this is like a million podcasts. It's so cool. Uh, there's everything yeah. from very recently, we've been working on internships with Lockheed Martin. And so connecting students to multiple Lockheed Martin engineers, and they basically, they have a mentor for small groups of students, and they design something of the a student's choice, informed and inspired by the aerospace industry, and, and they get to work on it, and, and they get treated like adults, and um, they discover things, and they discover how to solve the unknown versus solve the known. So there are those kinds of experiences. There are a lot of classroom collaborations and that that's probably how i started was was just like hey uh i'm, I'm gonna get a hold of uh lone star school which by the way is a wonderful school and say uh craig uh, out at lone star uh let's get your students and our students together and let's do something and and then we'll try to bring in uh somebody from industry to inform us since as teachers we might not know all the moving parts to the problem that we're solving and so we did a number of those case studies, those pilots, whatever you want to call them, um, just did a lot of those and then learned 
and it failed. We failed yeah. <laughs> on our first yeah. attempts, and that's we're finding that that's good. That's a part of the process. That's how you learn. And and what was amazing is the the adults. We don't like to fail, but the students really get that. Oh yeah, you try to figure out this unknown, and you probably don't figure it out on the first time. And so you get up and you redesign it and go again. And and uh, so we just kept. There's a, a lot of those that we've done. And I sort of also. Um, invented a little space and it was a room, but more than that, an approach called the sink. Uh, and, and it was just like a little experiment. What would happen if we didn't, weren't confined to just a room with desks? What if students could be active and moving around and designing things and making things and at the same time collaborating with subject matter experts from across the world and other students? What would that look like? What would that room feel like? What would that approach feel like? So we did that. And I don't know, there are uh, too many to mention uh, experiments that we did, everything from social studies, uh, building bridges together to, to learn about history uh, of those kind of things to lots of science and computer science. Um, and this we, model, um, just to be clear, I think this model consistent with the work that we'll talk about in a minute around the, the new water project you're designing brings kids from all over the state together. Right. I mean, maybe not physically together, but they're together via Zoom or whatever platform and they're engaging and learning from and with each other. Correct. Yeah. Well, in, in fact, is by because we walked through the fire, <laughs> and we did all of these pilots and collaborations. And Michelle, you know, uh, you know what the start of this looked like. And, and, and yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I was lost. <laughs> I really was lost. And I, I had a desire to do something, but I had no idea how to accomplish it. And, um, but I'm happy to say now that because we've done it so many times and we keep drawing in experts, expert educators and experts in, in different industries, that we have, we're avoiding a lot, a lot of the pitfalls that we went through early on. And this water project that you're talking about represents that. It's, um, it's based, I, I told Michelle ab about uh, natural resources education program pilot that we did last spring. So COVID hits, here we have these people from uh, the natural resources education um, program that wanted to do something uh, collaborative on, on the idea of um, the oil and gas industry or, and energy. And, and so we had experts that came in. We had the students work on on a design and project based upon the expert advice given to them. And and then I worked with this wonderful um, educator. Her name is Ann Tweed, and she has books published about um, how to teach science. And she's uh, she's been at, in Guam. She's she's done projects around the world. So she's got a real global. Uh, uh, repertoire of, of techniques that she can use. And, and so we were able to really come up with some, some basic structure. Now we don't want to have it so scripted that you can't, it's not agile, but basic things, you got to have a really clear defined goal. How many sessions are we doing? And these were all virtual because they had to be right. So, uh, cause we're in the time of COVID and, and then what are the measurables for the outcome? And then how do you share that out as a storyline so that people will realize it was a success without having to read a 300 page document. Um, so those oh, are the Greg sent me the video for the it's NREF, right? Is the acronym. Yeah, that the was the video that you saw, uh, you know, so, so we've that gone got through. me super excited. We'll, we'll <laughs> include that in our show notes as well. It's um, the kids coming together, four or five different groups of kids, rural, urban, I think international as well. There's a group of kids yeah. from Belize. 
solving sort of the, the uh, oil and gas industry's crisis around dropping prices. And right. each team coming, you know, uh, different experts in the field engaged with the kids to open their eyes to different aspects, a career opportunities to different aspects of the problem. And then each team coming up with their own solutions. It's about a 10 minute video. And especially for educators or industry out there, it's a great, great, um, short and sweet telling of how to engage kids and how to engage professionals. I think it's a win-win for everybody, right? Everybody's thrilled to be, I have friends that are dying to get into this water project as just something to sort of supplement their own, um, you know, work day, let's say. So talk a little bit about the curated experience that you're building. And one thing Greg does is brings together uh, just strong coalition of, and collaboration across industry and nonprofits. So talk about who you've got engaged in the water project at this point and where you're at. Yeah, well, we learned from the NREP project, and so we uh, we made some adjustments that hopefully this um, river systems uh, engineering project will, will even go better. Um, and the title is still unknown. I think it's maybe water is for everyone. <laughs> um, river systems engineering, something to do with that. But it's basically connecting uh, the topic of water from everywhere uh, in Colorado where it, uh, snow comes down in the mountains to what happens when it gets into to the metropolitan areas to what about water in e the eastern plains of Colorado. Uh, and, and so what are the dynamics? And so the kids will choose projects informed by that topic. And, and, and the key to it was finding the industry person who can inform that? In this case, it was John Fulton uh, from the USGS. So, um, John. And that's U.S. Geological Survey? Yes. And, yes. and, and yeah, and he was, well, <laughs> I don't think teachers understand what they do. It's pretty cool. So, he's telling us about, oh, yeah, uh, drones and satellites and models and high tech solutions to uh, issues around. Uh, engineering in, in the area of water. And we had no idea it was there. And that, and, and so now we're like, well, our kids need to be prepared for that world <laughs> if they're going to succeed on these very important topics. And so that just inspired like a, what if, what if we, we brought some of those skills that uh, John Fulton had told us about that they actually use um, at the USGS. And, and, and we allowed, students to design and think of solutions related to that and learn those skills that they're going to need to, uh, to be the future Johns <laughs> of, of the world so that they can, they can be the, in the USGS and accomplish these uh, wonderful goals for humanity. So, um, yeah, and then the way the way we've tweaked it, even from NREP, is we're really cl clearly defining what is the role of a facilitating teacher. So you have a rural teacher, and maybe that rural teacher is an expert in science, but maybe they're not. Um, and how would they be involved in this project? And what is their role as a facilitator? How does that differ from being their role as a teacher who might be delivering a lesson? or a curriculum. And it's actually quite different. And, and so for me, the great news is I can um, facilitate an educational experience in aerospace, for, 
for an example, or geology. <laughs> I'm see, I'm still getting some geology in here. I figured it out. <laughs> but how can I do that when I personally don't have that experience? So my skills as a facilitator involve a lot of listening, uh, a lot of networking, a lot of bringing in the people uh, in this industry. Um, so that's what we're doing. And then, and there are there's a combination of presentations by subject matter experts. But here's the key. Normally, schools will say, hey, we, we want to bring in so-and-so from an industry to tell us what they do. Um, so our little tweak to that is, hey, we want to bring in somebody from industry to tell us what our students need to do to, be, to thrive in, that, in the future of that industry. So that's a different take, right? You have to know what the industry does, but you also have to start a discussion or start a process where the students and the industry discovers together what are these kids going to have to know to thrive in that industry? Um, and so that's, that's a whole different take on it. <laughs> We're not delivering the known. We are solving the unknown. And that means everybody, even, even, even the subject matter experts are literally uh, solving the unknown. Well, I've seen my own kids respond to these types of hands-on engaged projects that they're, they're going to engage in this process because they're, they're interested in water issues in Colorado, which is the first winner. And then it's sort of a self-directed, self-guided um, project for them or task for them. And I've just seen my, it's changed. Both of my kids were, have been engaged in these. I think it's middle school students, right, Greg? That's the target audience. We, for we decided to design this, uh, and you mentioned the word curated experience. And so basically... Uh, curated experience has, has a few phases. Phase one, discovery. <laughs> discover, discover the problems that need to be solved. Discover the people who are currently trying to solve them. Discover the, the technology and the tools that you might need to, to, to solve that problem. And then phase two is really important. It's basically a role reversal. So you've heard from industry experts. You've seen some of the tools. You've done your own research uh, as a student, uh, to find, find, uh, out information and to discover, and then you have to do something <laughs> with all of that information. And then all the while sort of a mentor in an advisory role and to help you an industry mentor who, who helps so that you don't go off into, uh, uh something that's not real. And, uh, they, they don't tell the students what to do, but they help guide them to answers that are real in ways that maybe a teacher couldn't. And then after that, it develops into relationships that, those are the really fun ones. They go places. Right. <laughs> Students are solving problems. You, you can't believe that a student actually uh, was involved in something like that. But yeah, the curious. Yeah, it's really exciting to watch as a parent. And obviously, you can see and hear from Greg as a professional as well. I want to welcome Daniil has joined us, our co-host in our Zoom world. She was able to hop over from a, another meeting. We're getting ready to wrap up this part of our conversation with Greg. But as part of our new uh, Redefining Rural platform and taking our show on the road, we're going to follow Greg, and he's got a built a great team. He's got some rural uh, teachers, middle school teachers on the team. He's got uh, a lot of other sort of industry leaders and nonprofit sort of sector partners, and we're going to kind of track them and tell their story as they go and uh, talk to the kids as they get engaged. I think, are you still looking at a January launch for this? I know 
you wish it launched three months ago, but are you? <laughs> I'm always 10, ready so to do it yesterday. Uh, yeah. But no, no, we, uh, and I'm glad we took our time because we're really identifying uh, s- sort of the basic structure so that this is meaningful for all parties. We have a design team meeting this week, uh, teachers to, to really help advise the project. So they're involved in, in, in the design of, of this project and then january kick it off and it'll probably be about five virtual sessions and uh, but the sessions are there'll be things to do for the students in between and even in preparation for those sessions their discovery part their research so that they'll be given very specific uh, instructions of like check this out before you come to the meeting <laughs> make sure you know this make sure you come with curiosity and questions so that um, the meetings are, are more of a uh, we level the playing field everyone's having um, interactions virtually that really get to the heart of the problem versus just one person talking at another person. Uh, so, so that's going to happen. And, and, and I can't wait for the next podcast when I think that I should just be in the background and you should hear from the experts, which will be the students. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's going to be the real the story. Too. I think it's, I think it's oftentimes, especially rural teachers, and you know, we've talked a bit about how they have more preps, and it's a it's a different job, but they get overwhelmed at the idea of something new. So it'll be really exciting to hear from the the teachers and the um, and the kids about a how easy you've made this for them and how worth it it is in terms of the uh, return on investment and engagement and excitement for the students. So thank you, Greg. We look forward to thank you for all of your work for rural and for all of our kids. And we look forward to continuing this conversation uh, in the coming months. Well, th- thank you, Michelle, for having me. And I just um, really appreciate all the work that you've done through the years and bringing communities together and, and helping us connect for, for the good of all the students in Colorado and I believe even beyond Colorado. So thank you for that. Thank you.